0: money, show dedicated to getting your retirement, sometimes by looking at business news headlines, sometimes by learning about investing and not being afraid of what's out there, sometimes learning what not to do with insurance products. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com, Chief Market Analyst, Um, Strategist also as well, I would imagine. Mr. O'Hare, how are you?
1: Hey, Rob, I'm doing fine. Nice to talk to you again.
0: Let's give everyone a little brief update again on what you do for briefing.com, because from time to time we kind of take you for granted.
1: <laughs> well, I do a, uh, a couple different things. Um, I, I work mostly from a, a top-down perspective, looking at things from a macro viewpoint, uh, hence I write a column known as the big picture. Um, I also do a, a daily note uh, known as page one, which keeps our readers apprised of uh, what kind of what the breaking news was overnight, what it is in the morning, how it might impact uh, the U.S. equity market during that trading day. And then in addition to that, I also um, author our Fed brief page, so I'm a a pseudo-Fed watcher, Um, and I provide the uh, market view update on a quarterly basis. So I'm kind of looking at things from sort of that, uh, you know, uh, 20,000 foot view, uh, don't get down a whole lot into individual stock um, picks, but uh, just simply try to keep our readers informed of these big picture topics that are uh, that are moving markets and industries.
0: And giving compliments to you, but also I want to give compliments to one of your, your co-workers, Robert Green. He does an article called Ahead of the Curve, which is probably my second favorite behind your work of page one. Um, ahead of the curve, it does some big picture, cool stuff where, for instance, he recently penned an article on, uh, you know, Google's YouTube music service. And, uh, it's just fun reading because it's, it's sometimes it's, it takes a look at the past, sometimes it takes a look at the future. And uh, that's kind of what to me, investing is all about kind of getting it all tied together. So, uh, if you ever get a chance to see Mr. Green in the hallways, just give him a tip of the hat for me.
1: Oh, well, I will certainly do that. Now let him know that he's your second favorite author.
0: With that said, uh, back to you, because it's all about you, uh, Mr. O'Hare. Today, you talked a little bit about the markets. Um, Yesterday, I saw September 22 is like one of the worst days ever in the history of Wall Street. Like it's it starts bad things for whatever reason. It seems to be the day where things start falling apart. China, stock market, uh, IPOs, you know, getting really hot. Russell 2000 really weak. Are we at the start of something bad right now?
1: Well, I think we're at the start of a what can be looked at really is is which should be a normal pullback phase, frankly. I mean, we've had a, a really big run. Uh, certainly, from the lows in August, and, and when you look at things on a very short-term basis, you know, last week we had the emotional roller coaster of the whole FOMC meeting. You know, you had the uncertainty surrounding Scotland's vote on independence from the UK, and then you had all the hype surrounding uh, not only the release of iPhone, but also Alibaba Group's IPO. And, and so, I think, frankly, you know, traders, investors were simply exhausted. You know, um, there was a lot going on, and the market was was had already been running up ahead of all those things. And, and now that it's over and nothing really, you know, scary happened and everything kind of went according to the way the market was hoping it would go, you take some money off the table. You know, so um, I was not overly concerned or, or caught up in yesterday's headlines that, you know, all of a sudden everyone came in and, and was – you know, really, you know, concerned about China's growth rates. I mean, those those headlines were out last week, too. And um, I think it was used as a convenient excuse to come in and take some money off the table here as we move into the quarter end.
0: With that said, do you think and again, this is all probabilities, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Are we looking at a five to 10 percent correction of the market? Are we looking at little mini corrections of sectors or styles like small caps
1: Right. Well, you know, it, it's it's always a hard question to answer and kinda of the way I, I would I would frame my response is let's keep in mind that, you know, we're up two hundred percent from the lows in two thousand nine. We haven't had a ten percent move in, in over three years, a ten percent pullback. are the numbers you're putting out there realistic? Could you get a five to ten percent correction? Absolutely. I mean and and that would just be a a normal you know something that's normal and certainly you know long overdue but you know what we have to keep in mind too is uh during that entire period this this market just has this abiding fixation on the Fed's zero interest rate policy and what it was told last week uh once again was that the fed is not coming off that zero bound anytime soon uh granted the caveat was put out there that if things improved you know you know, more than the Fed expects. You might see faster and higher rate increases than are currently projected by the market. But I think that's just the normal caveat. But um, that warning still didn't jive with the Fed's own economic projections, which included a downgrade to its GDP outlook for this year and and next. Uh, And certainly it didn't Uh, include any uh, big upticks in its outlook for inflation over the next few years either. So the market is still taking for granted. um, I shouldn't say taking for granted. This market is still basing its actions in large part off the idea that the Fed is going to stay stuck at this zero bound for a while. And so you will get these pullbacks, but at the same time, you're going to get that inclination to continue to buy on these dips because interest rates remain as low as they are, because inflation rates remain as low as they are, and because earnings continue to grow. So you'll get some worrisome-sounding headlines from time to time, like the airstrikes against ISIS that we saw this morning, uh, that are going to uh, offer some uh, reasonable excuse to go ahead and, and take some profits off. But there's nothing that's been so debilitating yet that would change that underlying trend. We think where um, you know traders, fund managers, investors are going to continue to want to buy on these uh, these dips of you know whether they're two percent or five percent along the way. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com's Chief Market Analyst. Patrick, you spoke about the airstrikes on ISIS, and I'm going to be honest with you, and this is maybe feedback. I don't even care. I'm not even noticing it. I'm not reading about it. I'm not looking at it. I feel you know headline news overload. I'm, is that a bad thing for the stock market that I'm, I'm turning ahead to these kind of things?
1: Well, as it relates to, you know, the whole ISIS situation, I, I think, you know, your view is, is shared by many others. And as a market analyst, what I can look at to kind of, you know, address that point are, are oil prices, right? I mean, oil prices are down 1% today after a headline that, you know, is that maybe a year or two ago might have led to a much different <laughs> response as though, in terms of how energy traders are looking at things. So what that suggests to me is that, <clears throat> you know, while the – uh, ISIS situation is is obviously a very bad political situation. The market is not overly fearful that it's going to have any uh, broader economic meaning um, in that it's going to lead to uh, a, a, an expansion of that uh, conflict in the Middle East that could you know uh, impede oil supplies and therefore drive up oil prices. That's the that's the thinking anyway. That's what you have to read into this drop in oil prices as uh, as well. So um, and it could also be. You know, partly a function of uh, people like you and me sitting there thinking that you know, will this really actually accomplish the aim that it's, you know, that's being discussed? I mean, it's not easy taking out uh, these um, terrorist organizations that you know operate in these cells around uh, various countries around the world. I mean, you can make some impactful headlines with these airstrikes, but. Ultimately, uh, it's not something that's likely going to lead to a quick resolution or a quick uh, um, end to this terrorist um, to this terrorist group.
0: With that said, Mr. O'Hara, I've kind of been monopolizing this conversation. Anything that you're seeing or working on out there that you think should, we should be paying attention to? Any headlines? Anything?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we continue to watch uh you know the currency markets and in terms of what's happening with the euro yeah. and the yen and their continued weakness and how that's uh basically bolstering the, the dollar and uh and so what we should be watching for is when the um uh, third quarter reports come out in uh, mid-October is what uh, US multinationals are starting to say about uh whether this, you know, dollar strength is likely to impact their earnings prospects in the fourth quarter and beyond. We think it will be a theme um, that we start hearing more about that as those reports come out. So uh, that remains interesting, especially because as the dollar continues to strengthen, it's also going to continue to weigh on dollar-based commodities, which should help you know keep inflation pressures in check, which in turn, back to the point we talked about earlier, uh, may very well keep the Fed uh, stuck at that zero bound because it doesn't have to worry about inflation pressures uh, moving above the longer-run target.
0: With the higher dollar currency play are you worried at all about big companies like nike Apple, ExxonMobil that get a lot of their you know revenue and profits from foreign markets
1: uh, I think you have to be you know um way that the dollar has strengthened considerably here at the end of the third quarter, if that strength persists, it will lead to some unfavorable comparisons uh, versus the year-ago period in terms of where the dollar was on an average basis in, say, the fourth quarter of 2013 and the first quarter of 2014 and the second quarter of 2014, and that's going to weigh on the results of those companies. And so um, I did a piece on the big picture a couple weeks ago that Pretty much highlighted 91 companies within the S&P 500 that are not affected by the dollar strength, and that was a screen I did looking at companies who derive you know 95 to 100 percent of their revenue in the United States. Um, what that suggests is that there's a good number of companies that are pretty uh, that are domiciled here and do all their business here for the most part, uh, but there's you know three quarters of the S&P 500 that rely on foreign operations for uh, for sales. Uh, so you can't uh, overlook the uh, continued strength in the dollar right now as it relates to the uh, earnings picture.
0: Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hara, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing. dot com. Always an expert, always insightful. Briefing. dot com is one of the services that I use on a daily basis to get me up to speed with all things markets, international and domestic.